Hey folks, uh, it's another Opposing the Matrix show. It is the uh, 21st of July at 11.52 p.m. 21st of July is a very interesting day for me. Um, I don't know about you, but there are just some dates that uh, in my life, in the life of family members that um, just seem to keep popping up over and over again. Um most importantly, today is the uh, 21st. That's funny. It's the 21st, and it's the 21st anniversary of my dad's passing. He passed away July 21st, 1999, from a botched operation um, down in California, which caused him to acquire uh, meningitis, which um, gave him a slow and lingering death, but thankfully uh, for most of that time he was asleep and I believe unaware of what was going on, although I did go in and talk with him like he was awake and um, and I miss him dearly. My dad molded my life in more ways than I can I can even count and um, he was a good man. He didn't start out as a good man, but um, he came to faith in Yeshua HaMashiach or Jesus Christ um, uh, not long after I did and I've been saved for what 40 years now and uh, so it, it would have been equally well actually that's the other part of uh, July 21st because that is the day uh, July 21st um, 19 no oh, what was it 1979 yeah, because I was 20 years old, um, is the day that I asked Yeshua to come into my heart and uh, straighten out this schlamazel that was uh, making a mess out of his own life. And um, that's the day I got born again and the day that I asked him to indwell me with his Holy Spirit and to fix me because I was badly broken. I was, I just didn't have a crack in the vase. I, I was in pieces all over the place. And and uh, he very slowly and methodically took every one of those pieces and put it back into the vase that he had made, making it new. And uh, without any evidence that there were any cracks in it, as a matter of fact, he glazed it and put it in the uh, kiln several times. And... Um, and filled it with gold, and you know that gold every once in a while he takes out and he refines that gold again. And, you know, it's uh, refining is a very painful process, but, you know, if it's being done for him, then I really don't care. And July 21st, for those of you that believe that uh, that uh, the United States actually went to the moon, um, I, I, I do tend to believe that we did, although there are some people that have good evidence that we didn't. Um, but, uh, I, I do believe that we went and, uh, that was the day that, uh, Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong first stepped foot on the moon, um, in 1969, I was 10 years old. So anyway, see, so this, this date has a profound significance for me in my life because I'm an avid face, a space nut. I, I love everything about space. I love astronomy. I, I love science fiction. I love, uh, uh, looking at rockets, I watch. I love watching rocket launches, and if I'm ever down visiting my mother down in Florida, that's one of the things that we do. If they have one going up, and recently they've been sending them up almost on a daily basis, it seems like. So um, it's it's a lot of fun to go down there and watch. Well, anyway, um, so 
Uh, today, <laughs> where do I start with this subject? Um, it's a subject that really irks me. It uh, not too many subjects get, get under my skin the way this gets under my skin, but but um, but this does. And working in healthcare, and especially for a state entity, um, they want us to be always to be very um, socially proper, culturally proper, and for good reason. Okay, I'm not arguing that that. Uh, that there's not a good reason for that, because uh, in in the in the medical uh, healthcare profession, we uh, we have to to deal with people from different ethnicities, different countries, um, people that have different traditions. Um, just to kind of give you an idea, um, I dug up this book. I, I I found this book at not the one I'm holding in my hand, something, but I found uh, the the original. I found at work and. And what I would do is I would read this book um, when I was passing medications um, from the med window. And uh, there were times when, you know, 20 or 30 minutes would go by between patients. And uh, I would read this book because I I do have a high regard for people of different faiths, people of different cultures, people of different um, races and everything else. And I want to do what's right. I don't want to do anything that someone from another race, creed, color, um, you name it, might find offensive. Because I do, as as a nurse, and and as even before I was a nurse, as a as a person in general, I do I do love everybody. You know, you really have to really um, do something bad to make me um, not like you, and if. Excuse me. <clears throat> and if I don't like you, I don't like you. It's because it's because I don't like you, not because I I have any disregard for your color, your ethnicity, or uh, your point of origin, or whatever. It's because you've done something. Um, I'm a firm believer in what Martin Luther King said that uh, pe- people should be judged by the the content of their character and not the color of their skin. Okay. Um, every every race, every Every um, culture has its uh, its its rear ends. Okay, um, has has the people that uh, that seem to like to go out of their way to make their particular people look bad, uh, whether on purpose or or just they're just, it's just their nature and it happens to rub off on that. And the people that um, tend to judge races, creeds, and colors by what one person does, pick up on that, and they capitalize on it, and that's not right. So it's a, it's a, a vicious circle. It's a catch-22. And, um, and it's one of the things that, one of the major things that's wrong with our world. And the, the ultimate major thing that's wrong with our world is that, um, People don't come to faith in Yeshua because he's the binding. He's the tie that binds. He's the one that can bring everybody together. And I've seen it time and time again. And no, I'm not going to tell you about Larry Goss. I've told that story about a million times. Um, but I have had been at odds with people before I was a Christian, and um, and after I became a believer in Yeshua, I, I found those people again and. For the most part, a lot of them came to believe in Yeshua too. We were 
part of a generation that uh, we were right at the end of the um, the Jesus movement, and a lot of us uh, got caught up in it. Thank God, and we got saved, and uh, and because of that, we uh, we were changed. Uh, the scripture says that. Excuse me. Um, if any man is in Christ or Messiah, he is a new creature. Behold, old things are passed away, and all things are new. So he basically makes you into a new creature. And um, I've written an articles about that, and, and books, as a matter of fact, that are on the delusionresistance.org. And then um, you can download them, read them for free, because he gave this stuff to me for free, and I give it out for free. So anyway... Um, so I found this little book at work that I would read at times when, you know, people weren't coming up to the window for their medication. And it's um, it's called, and I ordered a copy of it. This is how much I, I like this book. I ordered a copy of it. It's called The Pocket Guide Cultural Assessment. It's by an author. Uh, her name is Elaine M. Geisler. It's getting to be a hard book to find. So if you can find it, then God bless you. But um, I had to do a lot of searching before I could order it. It's put out by a company called Mosby, and uh, their motto is dedicated to publishing uh, excellence. And um, let's see, I'm trying to find if I can um, actually give you the the number for the Library of Congress, the ISBN the BN number, so that you can... Uh, find it a little easier maybe that would help you it looks like the ISBN number is 0-8016-6752-6 so if you plug that in um, to maybe uh, Amazon or some other book uh, outlet you might find it a little easier but it goes into all different uh, countries actually it goes by country and it goes by uh, different traditions that they have in those countries when it comes to me- medical care and um, I found the book interesting. And uh, before I, I decided to do the show tonight, I got I went through it and I, I wanted to find the most, um, uh, for lack of better words, the strangest traditions that I could find in in one country. And, and of all the countries that I, I've got, I went through, now I didn't take the time to read the whole book all over again. Okay. Uh, for instance, there's there are a lot of different traditions in, in the Muslim countries. Um, you know, if, if you're a woman, you usually are seen by a woman doctor and not a man doctor. Um, there's other countries. I can't remember where it was right now, but I think it was Iran. Um, if you're a man and you're treating a woman, you know, you're a doctor or a nurse, you're treating a woman, you do not look into their eyes. Because a look into their eyes means that you're interested in them and that you want to date them. <laughs> so um, anyway, that's just one of them. But anyway, I chose Thailand. And um, and I'm just going to read through Thailand real quick, just give you an, give you an idea. It's uh, Thailand isn't very long. well. I guess it is maybe a little long, but um, not as long as some of them are. So it gives the location, and it says Thailand, formerly Siam, is located in the western Indo-Chinese and northern Malay peninsulas. It enjoys a variety of forested mountains, plateaus, alluvial valleys, and rainforests in its southern peninsula. Then it goes into the major languages, which are Thai and English. 
ethnic groups, Thai, 75%, Chinese, 14%, other 11%. Now, they may, may have changed. This book isn't the newest book in the world. Um, major religions, Buddhist, 95%, Muslim, 4%, and Christian, 1%. And um, it says predominantly sick care practices are biomedical, magical, religious. Um, and magical religious could even mean just, you know, hey, I don't want your medicine. I'm just going to see what the Lord does. Okay. But it could go into going to see witch doctors, too, and stuff like that. Um, so that's kind of a diverse um, definition. Uh, then it has another category, ethnic slash race, specific or endemic disease. Uh, endemic diseases are chloroquine and uh, Vandazar uh, resistant malaria. It says there's no risk in urban areas. Um, another risk is Japanese encephalitis, schistomatiasis, um, adult lactase uh, deficiency, hemoglobin E disease. Okay, another category is um, health team relationships. If the tie suggests a course of action cautiously and hesitantly, he or she wants the course of action to be followed. More nurses hold doctoral degrees than other females do in other occupational fields. Uh, okay, then there's another uh, dominance patterns. Men are dominant, yet women have considerable authority in domestic and commercial aspects of family life. Thai society is structured more on social hierarchy than it is on equality. However, self is perceived as an autonomous individual rather than as part of a family or an extended group. Um, touch practices. Because the head is considered sacred, it is inappropriate to pat a child on the head. Also, reaching over the patient's head to pass something to another person may be considered impolite. See, these are all little things, folks, that if you go to another country or something, that are something you need to consider. Because not only in medicine, but what if you were to pass a, a, a plate of, um, I don't know what they call them over there, if they're egg rolls or whatever, and you pass it over a child's head to the person next to you. You know, that would be impolite. So, anyway, birth rights. A new mother keeps warm <laughs> regardless of the ambient temperature because of the belief that this will help lactation. In the North, it's believed that the wrists must be bound with, with string to prevent loss of the soul. A common position for birth to prevent the loss, uh, excuse me, a common position for birth at home was the husband sitting on the mattress with his knees supporting his wife's shoulders and her head between his thighs. He may stroke her face and hair for emotional support. Um, after delivery, the husband buries the placenta. A ritual postpartum month may be observed, and some mothers may eat only rice gruel during the first postpartum week. And then it goes into death rites. For those who adhere to the Buddhist beliefs, of reincarnation, preferences for the uh, quality over quantity in life because it is believed that there will be less suffering in the next life. Therefore, the dying should be helped to recall their past good deeds and to achieve a fitting mental state. Autopsies are permitted and cremation is preferred. Food practices and intolerances, rice is a staple. Infant feeding practices, breastfeeding is common. However, some indications of decline or apparent, 
Children are bottle-fed supplemental foods and liquids at early ages. Next category, uh, child-rearing practices. Grandmothers play an important role in child-rearing. Children are taught to be polite, modest, self-controlled, and differential values that are espoused in Buddhism. Wow. Now, there's some values that need to be done here in the United States, without the Buddhism, of course, um, in my estimation. Um, National Childhood Immunizations, BCG at birth, DPT at two months, four months, six months, measles at nine months, OPV at two months, four months, and six months, and that's it. All right? So, um, being an anti-vaxxer myself, or for the most part, I, I like that. <laughs> okay. In the last part, other characteristics. The higher the hands are held, the, with the norm being at chest level, the more respect is shown during greeting. However, if the hands are held above eye level, it's an insult. Because the head is sacred, placing a piece of clothing worn on the lower part of the body on a pillow where the head is to be placed is unacceptable behavior. Pointing your feet at a person is unacceptable. Some prefer injections rather than pills, and then it has a bibliography. But anyway, you learn more about cultural sensitivity from reading this book than any class that you can go to, okay? Because this book lists where a lot of people that immigrate to the United States come from, and it helps you to understand uh, what is preferred, what is what isn't preferred, different little customs that you might observe and failure to observe them could cause a rift in a relationship. Okay? So, anyway, I just wanted to go into that because I think it's very important. Um, and I read this from a book, and I didn't need to attend a class in order to find out this information. Um, I think sometimes classes are for people that don't like to read. Um, anyway, so... Um, Several years ago, I was working for a school system um, here in Oregon, and um, it was a private school. And every once in a while, we had to attend a meeting, and it was mandatory. So we had to attend this one meeting, and it was called Mindfulness. And I didn't like it right from the beginning, because I am a mindful person, and I know what's right and wrong. Or at least I, I hope I do. I mean, it's gotten me for the last 61 years, <laughs> you know. Um, but anyway, so we had this woman um, who was also an employee there that I don't know if she was tasked with doing this or if she just volunteered to do it, taught us for two hours on how to be mindful, meaning that how to be appropriate around people and think about them before we think about ourselves, which is something that if you read your Bible and you read the Ten Commandments, and you read the rest of the commandments, and you read the teachings of Yeshua, you pretty well pick up without having to go to a class at work. Well, anyway, it turns out that this woman was, um, I found out later, was a Wiccan, or is a Wiccan, probably still. And um, and I don't like taking advice from people that, that basically when... Uh, when everything's boiled down, shaken together, and running over, is serving Lucifer. <laughs> okay? I don't need to be told from a Luciferian how to act appropriately, because most of them being Luciferians aren't acting appropriately. So, 
Anyway, um, let me see, where am I going here? Okay, so when I hear the word mindfulness, it just really sends, uh, maybe I should say, instead of chills up and down my spine, anger up and down my spine. Because most people that have to teach stuff like this, um, I've never been to a psychologist or a psychiatrist. I haven't had the need for it. But I work with them, okay? And I've worked with some very good psychiatrists and psychologists. That's the first thing I'm going to say. But I've worked with some rotten ones, too. And I've worked with some that see their own psychologists and psychiatrists. That's how messed up they are. So I'm not saying that I work with any now, but I have in the past. Um, and, and that's not important for you to know either way. But um, anyway... Um, some people feel the need to go to these people and, and, um, and have their lives straightened out and, and, you know, and, and they serve their purpose. They do in, in many ways. Um, however, like I said, if you are serious about scripture and you're serious about following God and you're serious about loving God and you're serious about a relationship with him, what you want to do is you want to please him. And if you want to please him, you want to find out what makes him happy. And what makes him happy is loving the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself. And he lays out guidelines in Scripture, both Old and New Testament, in the Tanakh and the Shah, about how to do that. Okay? Uh, aside from the Ten Commandments, there's 613 other commandments that tell us how to live properly. Now, yes, I know that some of them were done away with Jesus when Jesus was on the cross, but not all of them were done away with. The ones that were done away with were the Levitical laws. We no longer have a need for a high priest. We no longer have a need to sacrifice animals because Jesus Christ or Yeshua HaMashiach was our sacrifice, is our sacrifice. And... Um, and he is our high priest also. That's what scripture says. And I believe it. And I find great comfort in that because I like animals. I think sheep are some of the neatest animals there are. And I don't believe that I could actually bring a sheep up to a priest and say, here's my, here's my offering. Please sacrifice it. So anyway, um, we have idiots in our society. Uh, some morally incompetent people, um, and a, there is a group of them that's that's been become quite uh, vocal and quite popular lately, and they call themselves Antifa, and that stands for anti-fascist. However, their actions are nothing but fascist. Um, they're very reminiscent of the uh, brown shirts that ran around Germany in the 1930s, harassing Jews and 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 other people that didn't uh, measure up to their uh, to the Nazi party's um, um, code of ethics, so to speak, if you want to call it ethics. Um, but um, they smash things, they burn things, they break things, um, and all in an attempt to uh, upset uh, society. Now, uh, recently, um, I've seen videos online of these Antifa people, and most of them are white. Um, I think most of them probably live in their basements with their mommies and daddies, and they, 
And if you look at some of their websites, none of them list jobs. Okay. None of them say, hey, you know, I'm a computer programmer or, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of all things that maybe people, younger people would do. Uh, you know, I don't work for, I don't work making shoes at Nike um, and things like that. Uh, they all list no job. Um, and I've seen videos online where um, genuine Black Lives Matter people, people that are, I think that would have, um, that Martin Luther King would have marched with, um, that's how genuine I think they are, um, have actually walked up to some of these young white individuals who are breaking things and then painting BLM on the building, thus making it seem like Black Lives Matter actually did this. And they've been approached by these these black individuals and said, you're not part of us. Stop doing that. Go away. And the blacks have been treated like, well, you know, you're you're just a poor, dumb black person. You don't know what you're talking about. We're doing this to help you. And, um, and one lady got into a, a shouting match with a group of them standing on the corner. And she was called. She said, if you really want to help us vote Republican, don't vote Democrat. And they got into a big shouting match. And you found out that the people standing on the corner, the the uh, the white bread people standing on the corner were um, actually pretty foul mouthed and um, and adamant that they were they were going to help whether the blacks wanted to help or not. And um, that's kind of bothersome. You know, it's uh, it's 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 a famous and popular leftist and liberal thing to do to to help people that don't really want your help. And um, anyway, uh, yeah, the people that marched with uh, Martin Luther King back in um, back in the 60s, many of them were Democrats, but later became Republicans because they saw that the party really didn't care for the black black Americans and that they were using black Americans as a a stepping stone to further socialist agenda. Uh, pardon me. Well, I think I drink the rest of my coffee and uh, I'm going to go from there. Um, my throat at uh, 1220 in the uh, evening gets a little raw after talking for so long. And then, then we'll continue on with this. Okay. Just one second. Okay, I'm back. I gotta, I gotta admit, I make some really good coffee. Um, we, uh, and I'll tell you what I do. I'll give you my recipe for coffee. We, uh, we shop at Costco, and we also shop at Winco. Uh, Winco, I, I like their coffee because they have <laughs> the selection that you wouldn't believe, and it's in bean form, and they have the. Um, the grinders right there so you could load up to your heart's content with all different kinds of um, roasts i uh, i prefer the double french because i like a strong and bold coffee well anyway when we go to uh, costco or yeah we go to costco they have a, uh, something called san francisco coffee or something like that and it comes in a three pound bag and you get it for 14 something and that's pretty cheap um but it's good coffee. And so we bring it home and grind it here. We went out and bought a grinder. And I fill up a container that's uh, airtight so that it doesn't lose its flavor or its potency. And uh, I make my coffee strong. I'm not going to lie. And when I um, and when I roast it, or excuse me, when I cook it, you know, uh, in the uh, drip coffee maker, I get, I get up probably about um, to the 
the band <laughs> that holds the bottom band that holds the uh, the handle on there, and then I pour it into the cup. And boy, is that a strong cup of coffee! And and to kind kind of take the uh, bitterness away from it, I use heavy cream, heavy whipping cream, and that's my cup of coffee. And boy, I'll tell you, it's uh, if you drink it and you uh, and you drive, you're you're good for at least a couple hundred miles before you need a, a cup of another cup of it. Uh, truck drivers used to always term their coffee and how many miles it got them before they needed another cup. And this is at least two, 200 mile coffee. But, um, so anyway, um, I've been putting up online with, uh, with these crazies in Portland and Eugene. Um, and they, uh, and uh, like I mentioned, I think I mentioned it earlier this week or late last week. Um, what the uh, television and radio companies have been doing here in in the Willamette Valley and up in Portland also, um, Western Oregon, so to speak, um, from the from Eugene north, let's put it that way, because south of Eugene, people tend to be a little more conservative as they are on the eastern part of Oregon. But anyway, um, for the longest time when they would post something, a whole bunch of, I would say about 90% of the people that responded were conservatives. They, you know, this this article is stupid. You know, is, is it a slow news day that you have to post something like this? Uh, why are you so biased? Uh, and things like that. Well, I think uh, what happened was maybe the Soros money kicked in. I don't know. But um, these these news outlets now almost seem to have hired um, people to to be trolls on their uh, on their Facebook sites. And I mean, I've, I've talked with some pretty messed up people and you can always tell a messed up person in, in this way, in many ways, but particularly in this way, they attack you, not your idea. Okay. I, um, I vowed last week not to get involved with those stations. As a matter of fact, I don't get their feeds anymore. Because it's useless. It's it's like trying to grasp uh, water with your hand or something, or air with your hand even. Um, it, you just can't do it. And, and and the stupidity that you have to put up with is just overbearing. And when they start attacking you and attacking your family, and um, I had brought up with one uh, Hispanic lady about how my wife had termed uh, people like her as being uh, cholas. Because uh, that's what she was being. Um, and Chola is basically um, what you would, uh, if you were to call a person white trash, it's it's like calling a Mexi- Mexican or a Latino um, Latin trash. Anyway, and I got that from uh, my first wife who was, was Mexican and came from Mexico City. So um, anyway, uh, you know, then she started attacking my, my deceased wife and everything else. And I'm, I'm like, I don't have to put up with this. I'm getting off of here. Well, anyway, um, so I ran across this today. I'm just going to jump right into this. And it, it really bothered me because um, personally, I think that this this thing that let me let me go into this a little bit. There's I guess there's um a rock up in um, in Sweet Home, Oregon, somewhere out in the country, um, judging by the way it looks. And, and people write little messages on there, I guess, from time to time. And somebody had um, 
painted uh, the background white and put two lightning bolts in there. We know what that stands for, right? That's Nazis. And they wrote in there, WLM, in other words, White Lives Matter. Now, I know a lot of people in Sweet Home, and I don't think there are any uh, neo-Nazis in Sweet Home. I really don't. Now, there might be some people there with very strong opinions, but there are no neo-Nazi groups that would do something like this. So my suspicion is that maybe a Black Lives Matter or uh, Antifa member came down and wrote this in the middle of the night. Uh, even people in Sweet Home were like, there's nobody here like this. Who would write something like this? Um, anyway, it was it was painted over and it was fixed. So, But um, it drew a lot of attention from, from closet liberals that live in Sweet Home. Um, and, and I'll say it again. I, I, I've gotten to know a lot of people in Sweet Home, and they're very sweet people. I think they're what... Um, people in Oregon were like before all the Californians moved up here because uh, Oregon's really gone to hell since all the Californians have moved up here. Uh, back in the early 90s, or excuse me, the 80s when I came up here, they really looked down on Californians. I came up here, I went as far up as Medford, and um, and I am by no means considered ever considered myself a Californian. I always called myself a, a somebody from New Jersey misplaced in the People's Republic of California, only because my dad moved me there when I was a teenager, and I was basically stuck until things worked out that I could get out of there. But um, it took 40 years almost, 38 years. Um, but uh, when I came up here, I realized that they didn't like Californians, and for a good reason. Okay, Californians have come to Oregon, and they've turned it into a hellhole. Uh, matter of fact, the, the woman that's running the state is the sister of Jerry Brown, and I know that she probably comes from California, um, being that she's the sister of the guy that that um, really started to screw up California uh, eight years ago. Um, this guy was so bad that uh, back in the late 80s, early 90s, when people saw how bad he was, they recalled him, got him out of office. and um, But he was smart. You know, I, I don't. I don't say uh, leftists are stupid. They're smart. They they know how to play the game, and they know how to play it well. And he waited in, for an entire generation to pass, basically, to run again, and then got elected in California. And I think he ran for two terms before he finally couldn't uh, be governor anymore. And uh, he is the brother of the woman that's running Oregon right now. So, you know... Um, the uh, the bad genes run deep, and they usually run to every child in the family, uh, with very few exceptions. And I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but there are there are some exceptions, but very few. So anyway, um, where am I going with this? It's late. Um, so anything this this was painted on this rock, and um, by an Antifa member. Um, and I think that they're starting to spread out because Trump has been sending troops or not troops, but federal police into Portland. And I think even into Eugene uh, to uh, just sweep these people, these Antifa members up off the street. You see, they're smart, but at the same time, they're stupid because um, what they don't realize and that hopefully all of you realize um, is that the NSA listens in on every conversation. They have computers to be able to do that. They're listening in right now while I'm talking to you. Hi, guys, by the way. 
you're doing a good job. And they record everything. And they take down phone numbers. They take down addresses. So these Schlemiels that belong to Antifa, they uh, they communicate to each other via cell phone, <laughs> which are all being recorded, or other means, radios or whatever, which are all being recorded. And um, so, you know, the NSA has their, their name, their address, their cell phone number, all the messages they've sent. And uh, so all they have to do is basically give these federal police uh, all that information and they can just, you know, pick up anybody that's walking up down or up or down the street that's been involved in these. Uh, uh, I, I call them terroristic uh, um, demonstrations um, when you're when you're breaking things and burning um, cars and and taking over police stations and, and trying to kill police. That's that's terrorism. I'm sorry. That's not a protest. That's terrorism. But uh, anyway, um, so I told you that they some supposed neo-Nazis wrote this on a rock. I don't think that that was. I think it was a setup, and it was a setup to get people angry at each other. And in some ways, it's worked. Um, but uh and I'm not going to name names and I'm not even going to use initials because uh, somebody from Sweet Home might listen to this. And and I really don't want to get involved with. Uh, with, uh, you know, I like I like the peacefulness of the town and I like being at peace with the people in the town and I don't want to cause any problems. But I will read the content that was written and um, maybe I'll make up a name or something that's so far away from their real name. You'll never figure out who it is, but uh, or I'll say guy one, guy two, woman one, woman two. Anyway, so guy one writes here, he says, what I don't get is that all you people making a big deal about this paint happen to be white folks. That's more, that's more in likely never even met an African. At the same time, all these Africans are making a big deal about whites being racist. This um, scatology, I'm not going to say the word, uh, doesn't add up. Who's privileged here? With a question mark. Who really gives, um, let's just say a damn. He didn't use that word. Um, and I guess there were some other replies to it. I'm not going to read those. And he's, he goes on to say, if you would all quit being weak-ass uh female genitalia <laughs> the, the way I got to word things because things are just totally um, totally, totally terrible if you uh, quit, quit being weak ass female genitalia and focus more on what happened in, in your own personal lives not the lives of people who you don't even know most of this scatology wouldn't be happening if I if it didn't directly impact you personally, leave it alone. It ain't worth it. it ain't work, worth making an issue of, because your sniveling ain't helping any matters at all. In fact, your sniveling BS is making things worse. Don't take a. It doesn't take a uh, blank and genius to see this. Well, then the then everything starts to fly because you know he's he's going against the. Uh, uh, he's going against the grain. That's a good way to put it. And uh, so then this woman that I got into a little bit of a tiff with, 
Um, I, actually, not even. She didn't get into a tiff. She, she's just using what she's been taught over the years to to try to reason, and she's been taught bovine scatology. And um, she says, unfortunately for some of us, this is our lives. Now, how Black Lives Matter is her lives, it doesn't make any sense to me because she's as white as the loaf of uh, Wonder Bread, if you look at her picture. But I'm not sure you'll agree. I just want to make it clear that, one, Nazis are bad, and two, I'm sorry, but you have to. But uh, do you have a solution besides beating up Nazis to stop Nazis? And then she goes on and um, she's talking to the guy that originally posted, Mr. Number One. And she says, because we're empathic human beings, those of us who with privilege. (laughs) okay, here we go. Now we're talking about um, Wonder Bread here. She's saying that those of us who are privileged have to speak up for the oppressed. It's called being a good person. Wow, that's kind of a narcissistic thing. You know, uh, first of all, she's saying she's empathic. Um, and I wish she would have looked up the word because it's not necessarily what she was trying to compare. She would have said those of us with empathy. Um, an empath is 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 a person that um, is able to actually feel the the pain and the suffering without actually having gone through it. So um, I doubt that she's felt the pain and suffering of, uh, of those she, she's championing for. Anyway, um, and then she says, um, those of us with privilege, which means that she's equating herself with having privilege because she's white, have to speak up for the oppressed. Well, who are the oppressed? Okay, we'll go into that later. It's called being a good person. So she's calling herself a good person. A um, little bit of a narcissistic attitude here. Um, so anyway, this other guy gets on here. He says, he's just curious, uh, Mr. Number One. Have you ever heard of Martin Luther King Jr. or maybe Nelson Mandela? Or maybe Maya Angelou. Well, Nelson Mandela was a murderer. Um, he and his wife actually set people on fire if they didn't agree with him. Um, and I'm talking about not just whites, but he would he would do that to black uh, and colored Africans, uh, South Africans that didn't uh, didn't agree with him or you know challenged him on his ideas. So using him is a really bad idea. <laughs> Martin Luther King Jr. was uh, a pet was a pacifist, um, so using him to to uh, 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 exemplify what's going on in Portland is you know is an insult to the memory of Dr. Martin Luther King and Maya Angelou. Well, we're not done with her yet, so we'll see what she turns out to be. And this same person says, I mean. They should have minded their own business, right? Okay. It's it's apples and oranges. And so person number one says, as a grown-up, it should be a moral duty to weigh the pros and cons of one's such actions, such as these comments I'm making. I ain't saying it's okay. I ain't saying it's not okay. 
just simply trying to bring a point of view up that could possibly be worth looking into. Empathy is a feeling for someone or see empathy, not being an empath. See, he gets it right. Empathy is a feeling for someone or thing regarding, regardless of uh, mouthing, causing a scene, ranting, or simply debating. He gets it. Person number one gets it. Okay. And then he says, uh, don't get why people want to get all personal about other folks' opinions and such to the point they can't even begin to see from another perspective. Okay, there we go again. Um, we get he, He's realizing that people are brainwashed and uh, that they're so brainwashed that they can't look at another perspective. And so I asked this, this person, I said, explain to me how we're privileged, please. Okay. Um, and person number one says, I'm privileged because I'm not emotionally attached to anything and I don't directly affect my life or it doesn't directly affect my life or the ones around me, which, which is totally understandable. Okay. It's his privilege to kind of tune it out. And, and that's perfectly okay. Okay. So uh, Mrs. Wonderbread says uh, says to me, personally, I've never been harassed or passed over for an opportunity because of the color of my skin. I also live in a country that affords me comfort not seen in other parts of the world. Okay, well, okay, well, let's finish here. Everyone has their own advantages and disadvantages. The important thing is to be aware and mindful. Ooh, there's that word of the experience of others. Okay, let's let's dissect this a little bit. And maybe my uh, my comment to her dissects a little better too. Um, yes, we live in a country where pe- other people in other parts of the world um, do not have the freedoms and liberties and, and opportunities that we have. But um, what we're talking about here is not other parts of the world. We're talking about the United States. So she's... She reminds me of my mother, sort of. Uh, you better eat that food on your plate. There's people in China that are starving. You know, this woman is being very um, um, matriarchal to the other people in the group. Um, everyone has their own advantages and disadvantages, and we'll get into that later. Um, the thing is to be aware and mindful. And basically mindful is keeping something in mind of the experience of others. Now, how in the heck can you keep something in your mind of the experience of others if you haven't gone through it? doesn't make any sense. doesn't make any sense whatsoever. However, these, these white liberals think that because of what they've read, they've experienced what these other people have gone through. And that's why a lot of these African-Americans or blacks or whatever title you want, they want to go by, in these protests are saying, you don't understand. You're here and you're protesting and we appreciate it, but you don't understand what we've gone through. Okay. All right. So person number one says, I'll admit it. I'm privileged because I have the same ability as everyone else to see things from all angles and establish an unbiased opinion on issues. Only privilege because I have... I use this ability 
is I exercise that ability. Okay. So he's calling his ability to see things clearly um, being being privileged. And, and that is a privilege, actually, when you think about it. And um, it's a gift more than a privilege, actually. But if he wants to call it a, an ability um, or a, um, what am I trying to say, a privilege, and that's okay. You know, that's perfectly acceptable. Um and then he says, and I don't know who he's talking to. He says, your answer is to question never asked. Another, I think he's talking to me. The answer to your question um, never asked what makes us Caucasian folks more privileged than those of other descent in America. And I wrote to her, and it's going to be a little long here, um, but, you know, Bear with me. And I typed this all on my phone, and I'm not very good at it, but uh, for some reason, it all came out without very many mistakes that I had to fix. And I said, uh, I said, dear white bread, oh, you sugar-coated that so nicely, so you're privileged. And I said, I've been spit on for my faith, and I have. I've been spit on for being Jewish. Um, and my other... Uh, Per, per uh, you know, side of my family, I said we've been re- denied rentals because we were dirty Italians. I grew up eating riceroni or mac and cheese for dinner many times, and if we were lucky, we might get pancakes or spaghetti for that that meal. Actually, I still like pancakes for dinner. <laughs> Maybe it's a carryover. Um, my mother couldn't run to the store with food stamps because they didn't exist. I lost friends, and friends lost parents. Uh, to to mafia violence. When you got sick, the only way to pay for the health care was, was with money. You, if you came down with something and you didn't have the money, you just hoped for the best. All of my ancestors came from Europe. Yes, we are all those damn privileged European invaders, as many of uh, invaders as many of you have been brainwashed to cast us as. It is, however, those of us that um, have risen out of that muck and mire, along with blacks, Hispanics, and Asians, and others that have overcome, um, that have overcome, and how is our hard work rewarded? We're expected to work our asses off. Yeah, I get a little graphic, sorry. So that we can pay for people to have food, clothing, and shelter on our dollar, things that we wished we had when I was growing up. So please don't throw words like mindful at me. I'm mindful every time I get paid and I see taxes that I've paid to keep the socialist system going. I'm mindful every time I'm called a racist, although I am not, ju- although I am not, but I'm judged for, um, but I'm judged for slavery that happened when all of my ancestors, and I mean all of them, were still in Europe. I'm mindful. When I hear about reparations for slavery, but nobody uh, recompenses me for my ancestors who were slaves in Egypt and they were slaves by people, made slaves by people of color. Mindfulness. Yeah, right. Write to Kate Brown. That's our governor. And ask her to be mindful and fiscally responsible and to support residents, not invaders from across the border. And then in typical liberal fashion. She says, sorry to hear that. Like I said, everyone has their own challenges. 
Oh, for goodness sakes. You know, <laughs> so anyway, I wrote back to her. And you see, I can't really fault her because she's been brainwashed. I'm sure. Well, hold on a second. Let's look at something here. Where did she go to school? If it says it on, on, her, on her Facebook page. Oh, it doesn't. It just has pictures of her and some occult crap that she's got on here and stuff. It doesn't say anything else about um, her information. Um, it shows where she lives. I'm not going to say that. Well, you've gathered that by what I've talked about. Um, yeah, there's nothing at all about her on here. So for all I know. I know she's got tattoos all over her that uh, that doesn't necessarily make a person a bad person. But the tattoos that she's got on her are uh, basically new age. So anyway, um, let me see if I can hit the back button and get to where I was. OK. Hey, look at that. It worked. Um, let's see. He goes in empathy. OK, that's that's way down there. OK. So anyway, okay, sorry to hear that. Like I said, everyone has their own challenges. You know what? Challenges are things that basically that you choose to um, you choose to have. Okay. Um, if I desire that, let's just say I wanted to become a rocket scientist in five years, that would be a challenge. That I'd have to go to school. I'd probably have a hard time in school because I'm not great at math. I'm okay, but I'm not great. Um, and then there's chemistry and everything else. That would be a challenge and because that's something that I put upon myself. Life circumstances are not necessarily challenges. They're things that come upon us and cause some surus in our life. Surus is a Yiddish word that means sorrow. Okay. So anyway, I wrote back to her and I said, I don't need your pity. Um, it's just that every time that one of you mindful people preaches, you tend to disappear into the shadows when the mindfulness needs to convert to love and charity. And it's true. They always preach, but they're never around when you need them. <laughs> I've had to take all the mindfulness classes, the classes on racial and sexual appropriateness class and classes. Um, and they all focus on white European males being some sort of demonic sub subhuman. Yes, we all face challenges. And thanks for your minimalist speech. But anyone not wearing blinders and who hasn't taken a blue pill has to admit that there are those like me that are supposed to just suck it up. While at the same time, we're supposed to make a make life a cakewalk for others who call us racist for giving them a sheet cake and not a three-tiered cake. Um, and then you get to, oh, what a narcissistic individual. She says, sounds a, little, sounds a bit like being a woman. Laugh out loud. <laughs> oh, boy. Um Good on you for taking classes, though. That's the most. That's more than the most than most do. Keep improving. All of us need to. So right away she's saying, "I'm imperfect. I need to improve." Um, 
I don't know. This this woman is just totally um she's off the wall. She's she's um Meshugana, a good Jewish uh, Hebrew or excuse me, Yiddish word. She's a Meshugana woman. She just she just doesn't get it. She she can't answer in a lucid manner. So she skirts around issues by answering in other manners. Um And then I think somebody else was talking to her. It says, obviously, you have no empathy for other people. That's what's wrong with the world. Uh, person number one uh, says, oh, I think he was this person. Uh, person number three was talking to person number one. Uh, person number one said, empathy is a feeling. I'm sorry, but a feeling is not the world's problem. <laughs> I like this guy. I really do. Um, and then um, he wrote to me. And uh, let's see, I didn't read the last part. So before I read that, I'm going to. Anyway, he says, they, um, ta- addressing me, my previously stated remark on how I am privileged was a stab at a sense of humor. As for all the messed up crap. But I really have to change a lot of his wording because I can't read it the other way on the air that you've experienced in life from what you've said blows my mind because that crap ain't coming at nobody like, like that from around here. And if it did, that's some BS. And I wrote him back. I I really appreciated what he wrote. And I, I said, I totally understand what I experienced was back East for the most part. I've been blessed to know people in Oregon and aside from places of, like Portland and Eugene, Oregonians are loving and respectful people. The whites, the whites are privileged thing is all over, and it's shamefully exhibited by what I call self-hating whites that feel that by self-abasement they can right the wrongs that a few whites that may have been um, rear ends without coming to terms with the fact that all racial and social groups equally have their rear ends. Um, I also was poking a little bit of sarcasm by stating that only white privilege I have is to support those that call me a racist, sort of like the blind, like a, the biting the hand that feeds them. The word mindful is a trigger because it is said by people that want to mother us into submission to do things that most of us already know to do. It's what they taught they're taught in school from day one um, and what they're trying to what they try to spoon feed people like me and you that they, they consider less evolved socially uh, than they think of them, themselves to be sorry for the long reply thanks for having true empathy and understanding where I'm coming from and let's see geez he wrote a book too I'm going to read it. Um, Let's see. All humanoids are creatures of habit as messed up as it is. uh, And the race BS will never end unless people stop making an issue of it. Uh, Resparking racial division with protesting and rioting and such with intent to solve the hatred don't make a lick of sense to me. Peaceful or not, it's still sparking the fury that has once died down. Keep making it an issue and it becomes a habit. 
Now it's natural to broadcast hatred anytime somebody gets offended and so on. Thing is, people want to change toward peace, but get so emotionally involved that it blinds them with hatred and despite with hatred, but get so emotionally with hatred. Okay. And despise can no longer focus on the main objective, defeating the purpose of their initiative. This causes more issues on top of the main issues, unsolving and snow, and solving and snowballs. I might have just faced mouth circles, but much to proofread. What do you think? And I totally agree with him, and I'll tell him that in a few minutes uh, when I'm done with the radio show. But um, anyway, I mentioned uh, that to this gal, to White Bread, or to Wonder Bread, I should say, because it's a wonder that she can think at all. Um, and she's as white as Wonder Bread. Um, and, you know, I'm white, too. But, uh, you know, I I know that I... Uh, I just I just know life I think a little better than her. She looks like she's quite a bit younger than me. Um, but I um, I mentioned earlier that I had to take uh, cultural sensitivity classes, and uh, um, and even somebody I know um, recently uh, was going to a Christian college down in Eugene, of all places. Can can such a thing exist? That's what I have to ask. Um, when, when a Christian college starts teaching um, things that are contrary to, to biblical scripture and to um, doctrinal um, Christianity, you got to wonder um, if it's it's and you got to probably just figure that their title of being a Christian college is in name only. Well, anyway, this person had to attend a class where. Um, basically, the teacher was was black. I think he was from another country because he spoke with an accent, but um, which is was kind of unusual because usually blacks from other countries understand uh, that the racial BS is is just that it's BS. But anyway, um, the class, you know, I was looking over the the coursework with this person, and and basically it was teaching her to hate herself because she was white and that she should do everything that she could to continue to hate herself for being white and to to uh, appease people of every other color <laughs> and and white you know white isn't white we're all different shades of brown some of us are just uh, lighter shades and um, but uh, we're all we're all basically we're all coloreds if you want to say put it that way Um it's just that some people have more melanin than others. And, um, but, um, anyway, so, uh, hence this person decided that, you know, this was not the course that she wanted to go down. And she left that college and, and started going to a, a real Christian college where she's getting a good education <clears throat> and, uh, and finding out that it's not color that matters. It's whether you stand, uh, where you stand in your relationship with Jesus or Yeshua and um, where you uh, because he, he's the he's the tie that binds. He's the one that 
can bring the races together. The only one that can bring the races together. And, um, you know, if you write him out of the equation and anything that mankind tries to do otherwise is, is fruitless and, and, uh, and will not work at all. So let's see, we're just past an hour. Okay. Um, I found this article online and, and let me say again, I want to equivocally say that I am all for being sensitive when it comes to knowing people better and being able to um, being able to fellowship with them better. But I think that it is to me, it's better to deal with people one on one and to realize that what like if I'm in a room of Hindus, let's just say I'm in a room of Hindus um what one might find offensive, another might not. So you can't, it's racist, basically, or ethnicist, maybe that's a good word we should start using, to assume that everybody of a certain ethnicity or race thinks like everybody else of that ethnicity or race. Um, again, you're judging them by their race or their color than the content of their character. Um, I work with a really, really nice guy, and I'm not going to say his name, but... Uh, he grew up overseas and um, grew up under the Hindu religion. Um, he came to the States and married a Catholic girl. Um, and, man, me and this guy just really hit it off. We're, we're um, a couple of years ago, maybe three or four years ago, when the whole presidential thing was going on, he was very left. And I was very right. And we decided that we were just going to leave that alone. And um, that we weren't going to bother each other with the left-right thing. So we um, we continued to work together and didn't bring that up. And um, so the other day, I I wanted to ask him something about his um, well, his family, his family's religion, and um, it had to do with the. Uh, uh, because some of the gods that um, that Hindus worship. And I didn't really know, seeing that, you know, he's married to a Catholic woman, you know, I, I haven't gotten to know him well enough to know if, you know, he's taken on Catholicism, if he's thinking about taking on Catholicism, if he still practices Hindu, if he ever practices practiced Hindu. So um, Basically, I, you know, I thought long and hard about how to ask this question because I didn't want to insult him and I didn't want him to think that I was typing him in with all other Hindus. Um, because I've, I've had that happen to me because I have an Italian last name. Right away, everybody thinks I'm, I'm Roman Catholic. Um, I'm like a third generation Protestant, <laughs> um, Italian and, uh, well, an American, of course, but of, of Italian heritage. And uh, I know less about Catholicism than, well, maybe that's a good thing because I don't want to know a lot about it. Um, I know enough about it because I I was baptized as a young man in the Episcopal Church, which is basically Catholicism without the Pope and worshiping the saints um, and, and Mary, of course. Um, but so I, I, I wanted to approach him without you know, making him think that I automatically uh, thought that he was a Hindu. So 
basically, and basically it was an easy thing to do. I said, you know, I don't know how you grew up. I don't know if you even practiced Hinduism. Um, I said, I know you're from your India or you're from India or from a, a place where um, Hinduism is very uh, prolific. I said, so I'm asking you this question, not knowing. And I said, what do you know about this certain God that the, the you, people of the Hindu religion? And, and, you know, he looked at me for a second, almost like he was astonished that I'd gone through that much trouble to not offend him. And he says, well, to tell you the truth, he says, I, you know, we were never really raised strictly under the Hindu religion. He says, so I don't know that much, but I think that maybe what you're saying is true. And basically that was the gist of the conversation. Uh, we avoided any um, problems that might come up. We avoided um, any uncomfortable feelings that might have arisen and everything else. And, and I would have done this this way even if I hadn't taken cultural sensitivity classes, okay? Simply because I know. <laughs> I know from my own experience about being Italian and, and not a Catholic, okay? Um, and if you want to throw the Jewishness into it, you know, it's like, okay, well, how can you be a Christian and Jewish at the same time? How can you, you know, how can you be Italian and be Jew? You know, so I've, I've, had it thrown at me a bunch of different ways. So I know how to approach the problem and anybody with any kind of sensibility would know how to phrase that question that I asked him. Okay. I'm sorry, but you know, these, these leftists and liberals that want to force cultural sensitivity on us, they somehow have the idea and maybe they're, um, let's see, racist is for a person that doesn't, um, do race well. Um, and what was the other one we just did? Um, well, anyway, uh, there's got to be a name for people that automatically assume that you are something because of your name. Or, you know, <laughs> anyway, so I found an article and it's, it's found at um, uh, www.workforce.com forward slash news forward slash cultural dash sensitivity dash training dash ineffective dash insensitive. Uh, and I, th I think if you just type that and you'd get it because there's a whole bunch of stuff behind it. And I think that stuff is just um, stuff that defines the way that the page is loaded. But anyway, that's the name of the article. Why cultural sensitivity training is ineffective and insensitive. Um, and it's written by a blogger, Susanna. Rinder, um, Rinderly, it's spelled R-I-N-D-E-R-L-E. It was published, I don't see a publication date. Oh, yeah, there it is, August 6, 2014. Um, it says blogger Susan uh, Rinderly says leadership coaching, better accountability or process improvement may be the answer to your, to your diversity problems, not training. Okay. He says, lately, <clears throat> I've been getting inquiries about doing cultural insensitivity training. Such requests usually rub me the wrong way and prompt my curiosity. What's underneath, what's underneath is usually benign, 
and sometimes inspiring, but requires some education and exploration. Cultural sensitivity rubs me the wrong way because it's ineffective and even insensitive. There are three reasons. First, it indirectly calls out a limiting belief that the solution is that we need to more to, we need to be more sensitive to them. This belief is well intended, but often has negative effects. Typically, it carries an unspoken, even unconscious racial tone, a belief that white people need to be more sensitive to people of color or to a particular race or ethnic or ethnic group. It reinforces a perceived or real power imbalance, a notion that the solution to the problem is that I may be more sensitive that I may, may be more sensitive to you. Uh, this implies that you are fragile and need to be handled gently so you don't break. It also implies that the success of our relationship is entirely my responsibility. Perhaps uh, you are incapable of being a full adult or equal partner. My uh, colleague, Sima Lieberman, makes a strong case for how sensitivity training is patronizing or even damaging to the targets of, sens- of the sensitivity. We might click on that and go into that afterwards if we have time. Because if her last name is Lieberman, she might come from it from a Jewish perspective. Although I just might have done what I accused other people of doing. Not all Liebermans are Jewish, but... Um, Her name is Sima, so there's a good chance. Um, anyway, uh, next paragraph. The we the quote we need to be more sensitive to them belief is incomplete and imbalanced, which is why white people tend to eye roll or resist anything called sensitivity training. Also, communities of color and non-dominant groups in general don't want cultural sensitivity training, nor do they want to be subject to the su- subject of such training. They don't want more compassion. They want meaningful action, tangible results, and in- inclusive in culture and equitable treatment, a work environment where everyone feels safe and welcoming to bring their full and best selves to work. Perhaps in your organization, the intended subjects of cultural sensitivity want something else. Have you asked? Second, not only does cultural sensitivity training indirectly place responsibility entirely upon white dominant group members, but it also doesn't usually build new skills. Like I said, we do this already. Participants are given generalized, sometimes stereotypical information about cultural or racial groups, perhaps walk through ways to build awareness, then sent back to their job duties tasked with being more sensitive. This can create an environment of walking on eggshells that is a barrier to effective communication and authentic relationships. Because what does sensitive mean? What does it look like? How does it feel? What are the behaviors that come across that way? Those are the key, more meaningful questions to ask. Rather than just learn about other groups, we need to develop intercultural effectiveness, the ability to be creative and flexible, uh, connect authentically and equitably, and communicate effectively across human differences, however and whenever they show up. Third, Cultural sensitivity training rarely has clear goals that get at the root of whatever problem needs to be solved. 
whatever, uh, excuse me, what is the problem that cultural sensitivity training is intended to remedy? Often it's a poor, often it's poor morale, communication disconnects, the fallout of a conflict, customer complaints, or any number of human relationship problems. And what are the uh, undesirable outcomes stemming from those human relationship problems? Attrition, low productivity, high rate of errors, lawsuits, lost market share or profit, all questions. Getting clear about the problem allows you to get clear about your goals. What is the intended goal of the cultural sensitivity training or the desired outcome in general? Implementing a training program that has no goals, measurable results, or clear outcomes tied to organizational mission or values is a waste of time and resource, and one reason they fail. It is the goal, excuse me, is the goal more effective communication and authentic relationships? More joy, ease, and humor in the workplace? Boy, humor in the workplace does wonders, folks. Um, and what, and uh, what will you have once you have those things that the organization values? Improved efficiency, greater employee or customer satisfaction that leads to better results, being better equipped for growth, growth or change, wilder in innovation and, and um, creativity, larger market share and higher profit. Once you know the goal, the next question is, what will, we, will, what will get us there? Leadership coaching, better accountability or process involvement may, may be the answer, not training. Knowing the true program, excuse me, knowing the true problem that cultural sensitivity training is intended to address the organizational and business goals that will be served once the problem is remedied, aligning a good, good aligning good intentions with positive equitable impacts and building effective communication skills across your organization will set you up for better success. Who knows, you might not need cultural sensitivity training at all. And you know what, really, uh, that's the end of the article. Um, what I have found is that um, I, wor I work as a nurse in a, in a psychiatric setting. So what I have found that works is that um, we have one thing in common, and that's our patients. And if you have, let's just say you have a problem patient, one that doesn't want to listen, one that's causing problems and stuff. If I sat down, everybody in my group and said, you know, now let's see, what do we have in my group? Uh, we got two or three whites. We've got a few Latinos. We've got an, uh, uh, a black lady. We've got um, uh, several people from uh, Southeast Asia, as a matter of fact. So if I sat them all down and said, hey, I've got this problem, what, first of all, what things have worked for you with this person that I can employ? And what things, here's what I've done that have worked for me, but how can we work as a team to treat this patient? And boy, I'll tell you, you'll sit down there and you'll, you'll get all these ideas that people just, you know, bam, 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 left and right. You know, they're coming out with this and that and, you know, I do this and it works and it makes them happy and, and, and I do this and, and it gets them to come to his meals, you know, and, and stuff like that. And, and so I have found that 
getting something that everybody can participate in that everybody has in common brings people together. And in my, my work setting, it's the patients, you know, it also might be how lousy the food is in the cafeteria today, which everybody will usually agree with. And, um, sometimes, uh, a joke will break the ice, you know, sometimes, um, I don't know. Uh, I hate to say this because uh, we have a wonderful supervisor, but maybe, you know, talking about his boss um, or talking about the problems that exist within the organization that are keeping us from serving our patients better. You know, all these things are things that we can use to find a common purpose that we can come together with. Um, <clears throat> so I've, had to, like I said, gone through the cultural sensitivity training and, um, I was quite bored. I, um, I was, you know, there, oh, there was a bunch of people in that room and I would say probably 10% of us were, uh, people of European extract. The rest people came from all over the world, um, Africa, Asia, uh, South America, Latin America, um, you know, I'm, I'm talking about Mexico and the Isthmus there, um, all over the world people were from. And um, not only did I find it boring and a waste of my time, but so did a lot of the other people. And then they have you go these through these dumb exercises, you know, and and nobody wants to do them. Everybody's there because we're basically told we have to be there because it's mandated by law. <clears throat> that we have this training and most people have the common sense to know how to treat other people. <laughs> I'm sorry, but it's true. And if you've been in, 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 at your job for any length of time, you know it even better. You know, I, um, let me try to think of a, a way to put it. Um, I know, well, here, here's a, here's a way to put it. I, I like to tell jokes. Okay. But I don't like to, I don't like jokes about ethnicity or race. And so if I want to break the ice with a group of people that in my nurse's station, I'm going to tell them a joke of, I don't know, you know, the, a horse walks into a bar and the bartender says, why the long face? That doesn't offend anybody. We have no horses in there. We have no bartenders in there. Um, you know, so a neutral, a kind of a neutral, a gender neutral, a, a cultural neutral joke, you know, will usually tend to do something. And even if it's a stupid joke, people will just kind of laugh out of respect and, you know, and say, man, that was dumb. <laughs> but they'll laugh anyway. But um, anyway, so we all know how to to be sensitive culturally, to be sensitive um, when it comes to uh people of different genders and now people do their different gender assignments um, and things like that. Um, so this training that they're offering is, well, you know, it might be useful to a very small number of people that are in the room um, and maybe some people that have should be mandated to go to such things if they've had a problem with race or creed or color or, or sexual orientation or whatever. Um, then I, I can see the need for it. But um, for the most part, um, you know, we're all adults and 
we don't need to be patronized to by somebody that claims to be an expert like our um, Wonder Bread lady in um, on Facebook who basically made herself into a, a an expert that had to teach everybody else how to be sensitive, culturally sensitive, um, and why things were wrong and things were right and everything else, and, and didn't want to listen to other people, what they had to say, but skirted around the issue, cherry-picked from what other people had written, and it's just ridiculous, and that's what the left does. I'm sorry, but that's what they do. You know, they can't look at things directly on. Um, they can only look at things peripherally because if they look at things direct on, then they realize that, hey, you know, I don't have my act together and I might not be right. And um, <clears throat> so anyway, um, like I said, I think most of us are grown ups. We're adults. We know how to act. Uh, we don't need to be dictated to by the left. Um by governmental organizations, by um, mandated classes that we have to attend. Um, And don't get me wrong, I do know that we're all human and that sometimes we slip, you know. Um, Sometimes we make mistakes. But to say that a person, that, you know, everybody in, say, a hospital or a a research facility needs to attend a class because one person did something wrong. Well, that's, you know, that's treating everybody like they're racist because of what one person did or they're sexist because of one person did. And it always used to aggravate me in school. Um, you know, you had your one guy that did something in class and because you didn't want to think him out, you know, the whole class had to suffer. Or or then you, you had your teacher that made the whole class suffer anyway, just to make the whole class an object lesson. Um, but, you know, we're, we're talking about teens and, and adolescents that are in their formative years, as opposed to adults that are all grown up and know better. Okay. And no matter how hard you try to change people, you're going to have... Blacks that tell jokes about whites, whites that tell jokes about blacks, Hispanics that tell jokes about whites or blacks, and vice versa. Um, you're going to have um, people of with different sexual orientations assigned that they assign to themselves that are going to tell jokes about straight people or or have concerns about straight people. And I forgot to put that in about the other races and stuff like that. And... Um, and a lot of times it comes from life's experience, you know, and, you know, and I, I said before, you can't judge everybody by what one person did. But um, there is a degree of carefulness that a lot of people practice because they don't want to get burned again. You know, once bitten, twice shy. It was a really good song by Ian Hunter, by the way. I haven't heard it in many years. Um, I'm going to have to look it up on YouTube. Um but, you know, you get bitten once and you don't want to get bit again. So you're really careful. Um, but um, so anyway, you know, people are going to be people. They're going to be human. Yes, there are going to be people that get their feelings hurt sometimes. But I don't go to work for feelings. I go to work to treat my patients and I go to work to to um, 
fellowship and work with my coworkers. I don't go there to exhibit emotions or to have emotions exhibited toward me. I don't go there to uh, be abused by other coworkers and stuff like that. You want to have classes, have have classes to teach people how to to treat their coworkers, for goodness sakes. And you know, when you, when it comes down to brass tacks, you know, they took the Ten Commandments away from us a long time ago. I mean, it's still available. You can read it in your Bible, but it used to be a social norm that they used to call it the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It was a Jewish golden rule. It was a Christian golden rule, and it was the golden rule of other religions, too. But they take that away, and then they try to they try to um, justify it by um, sending you to a class to teach you to teach you cultural sensitivity. Well, if you were to teach people to love one another as you would want to be loved, you would you wouldn't have to have these cultural sensitivity classes. You would just say, "Hey, I want you to read um, where God talks to Moses in Exodus about the Ten Commandments." Um, if you were to look in, in the Torah, uh, concerning certain things about, you know, people being wronged and how to take care of it, you could answer a lot of problems. Read the Psalms. David had a lot of answers to problems, you know, um, I had a laugh. I was watching uh, TV one day and, um, there's, there's a story in the Bible where Solomon is presented with an interesting, um, problem he has two women that are are fighting over a child and one woman is the birth mother and the other one is claiming to be the birth mother but really isn't and wants possession of the child and solomon very wisely says okay he says bring the child here he asks for his if i'm getting a story right but the the main gist is here he asks for his sword and what are you going to do with that well he said, since you both are claiming the child, I'm going to cut the child in half, and each one of you can have a half. And the real mother stood up and said, no, give it to the other person. Give the child to the other person because I don't want the life to be taken. And then he knew who the real mother was, right? There are a lot of truisms, and there are a lot of lessons to be learned from Scripture. But the liberals have taken Scripture away from us, or away from the workplace, away from society, and have tried to replace it with worldly wisdom, which always fails. And when that fails, then they have to have cultural sensitivity classes. They have to have sexual sensitivity classes. And, well, that's that's a whole other story right there. But you you can't expect people, especially fallen people, to act biblically without showing them what the Bible says about what proper conduct is. You know, people don't absorb it through osmosis. People have to read it. People have to hear it. And even if you just wanted to present it as a, you know, well, here here's an example. A lot of people at work will talk about karma. Now, I don't believe in karma. You know, it's it's a, it's a Hindu and Buddhist belief that um, something that you do in this life will affect what's going to happen in your next life. 
uh, people have adapted it in our culture to mean that you're going to get instant payback for what you do. It's not the way it works. But um, there is a law um, in, in the scripture called the, the law of reciprocity. That's what I call it anyway, that uh, that what you do is going to come back to you sooner or later in this life. OK, and if you wait till the next life, then if you're a believer, you're going to get less rewards. If you're not a believer, then uh, you've got other things that are, are much more important than um, worrying about the law of reciprocity because it's going to come to you in a grand scale that you've never, ever imagined. But um, but I've always been amazed by um, here's an example. We were sitting uh, we went to a place called A&W the other day, and um, some of you have probably heard of A&W. They have fantastic root beer, probably the best root beer in the world. And um, they're known for their root beer floats, but they also make hamburgers and hot dogs and and different ice cream dishes and stuff like that. And and um, because of COVID-19, you can't go sit inside the lobby. If you could, there's no smoking inside the lobby. So we were at our little station there we ordered our food and i thought well, let's keep the windows down you know there's a nice breeze blow and it's it was probably about 82 degrees but with a nice breeze and and right away cigarette smoke you know i, I told my wife i said you know if they want to kill themselves by smoking cigarettes they want to get cancer that's between them and the almighty you know but don't expose me to that and she's like you know, be quiet. Don't start anything. You know, my wife's like that. She knows I'm very boisterous and she's always afraid that, you know, I'm going to say the wrong thing. And that, you know, some guy that weighs, uh, you know, that's, that's six foot seven and weighs 360 pounds is going to come over and beat the pulp out of me. And, uh, and I guess it's a valid concern in some ways, but, um, but anyway, I was kind of vocal. I hate the smell of cigarette smoke. Had it been a cigar or a pipe, it would have been a different story. But I used to be a cigarette smoker, and they say there's nothing worse than an ex-smoker. And um, so anyway, they must have heard me, and the and smoking stopped, which was good. But um, I just don't – one of my arguments when I was talking with my wife about it, and I know that those people heard, and I said, you know – they have a right to kill themselves if they want to by smoking. You know, they have every right in the world to do that. I said, but what pisses me off, I said, is that 10, 20 years down the road, when they're laying in the hospital with emphysema and they're dying, they're going to be blaming God for this. You know, God, why did you let this happen? Why are you letting me go through this and stuff like that? You know, it always happens. It does. Um, you hear it all the time. If you're a pastor, you, you hear it all the time, too. And um, I said the same thing with uh, people that drink a lot of alcohol, cirrhosis of the liver. The liver's dying. Oh, Lord, why are you letting me go through this? You know, um, people that put themselves in precarious positions. Uh, evil can evil. I could imagine that, you know, um, if his parachute would have failed when he tried to jump the Grand Canyon, he would have been, oh, Lord, why did you let my parachute fail? <laughs> and I always imagine the Lord looking down and saying, well, why did you do something stupid like trying to jump the Grand Canyon? Um, thankfully, his parachute did open and he survived. But um, but people tend to um, blame God for for 
all the stupid things that they do in their lives, you know, and, and it's no different than, um, uh, you know, I, 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 it's probably no different. I should say than than um, uh, the, anybody that makes any kind of bad life's choice, you know, or, or puts themselves in a precarious position where it'll affect their lives later. I, look at me. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm overweight. You know, this could affect me in negative manners. It could, it could eventually kill me. And, it, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm of the opinion where if it does, you know, I'm not going to say, Lord, why did you let me do this? You know, why did, or why did this happen to me? I'm going to say, Lord, please forgive me for, you know, enjoying food a little too much. You know, um, it, it would be foolhardy for me to try to blame the God for this. But it always seems that's what it is. God gets the blame for everything. And it's no different than um, it's no different than the slavery thing uh, that happened back in the 1860s. Like I mentioned in my little letter to uh, to, to that woman. Uh, all of my relatives in Italy and Denmark and Germany and Poland, um, wherever else was it, Austria, Hungary, I think, um, were, were all in that area during the time of slavery, had nothing to do with slavery, owned no slaves. Yet I'm supposed to dole up thousands of dollars for reparations for something my ancestors had nothing to do with. And. We don't pay for what our parents did. You know, even the law says that, <laughs> you know, we don't pay for what our parents do. You know, once they're gone, they're gone. Um, take, for instance, my student loans. You know, um, once my student loans come due, um, if I'm still alive, I got to pay them. And the only way to get out of them is if I die. And if I die, my wife is not responsible for them because they're a debt that I incurred on my own. Uh, on my own volition, and I signed for, and she's not responsible for it. When my father passed away, um, fortunately, he passed away owing very little to anybody, if anybody, that is. And uh, when people came by, uh, <laughs> I can always remember, he uh, when he went in there for his surgery, he did not have meningitis, but he acquired it there, and it's what ultimately killed him. And um, two funny things happened after that. First of all, um, I received a how did we do questionnaire. Um, and I let them know how they did, lousy. And then I received a bill from them. Uh, it was only for five or $600 for services rendered. Um, and he was a vet. And, uh, you know, he was under Medicare, Medicaid, and and everything else and and I wrote back on the letter I said you killed them wasn't that enough wasn't that price enough and I never heard from them again okay so I was not responsible for his bills just like my wife will not be responsible for mine except for the things that we went in on together and you know hopefully I will still have my life insurance at that time and and um, it'll kick in and it'll pay for things that I owed and and everything will be cool, but um, I am not responsible for slave ownership back anywhere from 1620 all the way up till the time it ended, um, and I will not pay it. And if I'm forced to pay it, I'm going to 
I'm going to get every Jew in this country together along with me, and we're going to demand reparations from Egypt for building the pyramids because that was done under slavery too. See, the big difference is that we're not, we realize that that's, that's in the past. You know, we were delivered from that just like African-Americans were delivered from slavery back in the 1860s. It was the 302,000 Union soldiers died to procure that freedom. Um, I guess that blood doesn't matter. But um, according, to, uh, according to the people that want reparations anyway. And, um, you know, how many thousands, tens of thousands of Jews died in the or I should say Israelites, died in the deserts of Egypt building the pyramids or whatever cities that they were building back then and uh, never asked for reparations, realized that, hey, you know, that's a thing of the past. Uh, let's just move on and move towards the future. Um, there's a, a saying in the Bible that any man that puts the, uh, is it the plow to his neck and looks backwards is not worthy of him meaning Jesus. And there's a lot of there's a lot of um a lot of sense to that because even runners don't look back because <laughs> it slows them down but if you if you were to put a yoke to yourself and you were pulling a plow let's say and you kept looking back first of all you're going to go slower and second of all every time you look back you're going to get off course and you're not going to plow straight lines. And you're going to go over lines you've plowed earlier, or you're going to you're going to go crooked and miss some very important um, uh, land that you could be planting in, but it, you won't be able to because you didn't plow it up. And um, so that's a, a very wise saying. Um, and he and you could put it in a uh, you know nowadays terms and say you know anybody that is living today and looks back to try to get some kind of justification really isn't worth their salt because you don't look back to move forward. You look forward to move forward. And, you know, you could, you could try to sue people your whole life for things that went wrong, <laughs> you know, and it's just not right. You move forward now, you know, in wrongful death suits and stuff like that, that's different. Uh, work injuries where the employer was definitely negligible. I could see that. But trying to um, get money for, for little things, you know, um, to be like suing your, your mother for not making you a sandwich um, uh, one day in May back in when you were in sixth grade. And you were hungry that day and maybe you weren't as tall as the other kids and that stunted your growth. You know, that ain't going to work. Sorry. Um, so anyway, all this nonsense about reparations, you know, it's it's just another way to try to, to get money out of the system and and try to uh, bankrupt the middle class and, and and institute socialism and ultimately communism into our country. And. Um, I am thankful, very thankful, for um, for Black Americans that have had their eyes opened and are seeing what's going on, <clears throat> and seeing that they've been used as a tool by the Democratic Party, 
for the last 50 or 60 years and have decided they're not going to let that happen again. I am very thankful for Hispanics that are thankful for being here in this country. Matter of fact, all people that have had immigrants that came to this country that are thankful that their parent, their, their ancestors made the choice to come here, especially the ones that did it legally. Um, I always tell this story. I'm going to tell it again. Um, we still got, well, if we're going to go the whole two hours, we still got a few more minutes. Um, the difference between yesterday's immigrants and today's. Today's immigrants expect everything to be given them for free. They expect us to speak Spanish. They um, expect everything to be done for them. Now, here's the difference. A story I tell quite often, and I probably told on this radio show numerous times, and I'm going to say it again. Uh, my great-grandfather immigrated to this country from Italy back in the late 1800s. I think it was like 1894, if I'm not mistaken. And um, he, I think he found somebody here and got married. Um, but he was married once or twice uh, in Italy and had children by both of those wives. And uh, then he met my great-grandmother, and he had my, my grandfather and his brother. And... Uh, my grandfather tells a story about one day when they were in, um, they lived in Brooklyn, New York, and they went to a store and my grandfather started to talk Italian to my great-grandfather. And my great-grandfather grabbed them by the ear, pulled them out of the store without telling them why, got them outside and explained to them. And he said, listen, he said, these people were nice enough to let, nice enough to let us come here. They've let us immigrate here. I'm working here. We're going to build a good life here. He says, you will always outside the house speak English to honor these people because they were nice enough to let us come here. You will not speak Italian out in public. He says, these people were nice enough to let us come here. We will show them honor and respect. That is the difference between yesterday's immigrant and today's immigrant. Yesterday's immigrant was thankful. Today's immigrant is less than thankful. They're demanding. They're, they, we owe them according to, you know, I'm not saying all, okay, but uh, the majority of the ones that are trying to come across the border free uh, without the right paperwork, and we can't say illegal anymore, we have to say undocumented, which if you look it up in the dictionary, one of the first definitions is, is illegal. Um, so we're just using a synonym of illegal. But um, anyway, uh, no respect is being shown whatsoever, um, even to the point where um, many of them are talking about taking back the land for Mexico and uh, they something called the Atslan movement or something like that, where they say that parts of the United States are still parts of Mexico. Well, history lesson. First of all, when that happened, Spain owned Mexico. And we got those lands when we beat Spain in the Spanish-American War. Okay. So first, first order of business. 
Second order of business is that Latinos that are uh, anti-white are hypocrites because their ancestors were the conquistadors who came from Spain who were white. So they're through a lack of knowledge or through a willful ignorance, they they are definitely uh, cutting themselves down because they themselves are um, part white. So <laughs> um, I don't see the the uh, the sense in it whatsoever because there is no sense in it. But um, you know, I guess if you don't have a if you have a shallow argument, you got to use any argument you can just to get it going. But anyway. Um, I think we spent enough time on this subject. I think um, that uh, we'll wrap it up just by saying that uh, uh, we don't know anybody for anything. Uh, we don't um, need to be taking cultural sensitivity classes. Uh, we need when somebody walks up to us and says that we're racist, um, ask them why. Ask them what their reasoning is. Um, I, I get a kick out of Latins, like I said. Uh, oh, you're a racist. Well, first of all, uh, Latino is an ethnicity. It's not a race, so I can't be a racist. And second of all, you guys are half Indian and half white. So that's, uh, again, that's uh, that's not being racist. Um, and usually the people that accuse others of being racist are some of the worst races that I've ever met in my entire life. But anyway, uh, so this nonsense has got to stop. Um, if we're gonna, if we're gonna survive as a nation or as a people, and I, I'm, I'm basically just appealing to, um, black Americans and Latino Americans who are here legally and who want to further the, the cause of the United States, uh, the cause of America, rather than to take it over and subvert it. Um, we need to get to get along together and work together. We need to realize that each of us is culturally sensitive, um, even if just a little bit uh, within each, each one of us we are. Uh, we know right from wrong. We just have to start practicing it, you know. Um, you know that we all know that our races aren't perfect or our nationalities aren't perfect. And we know that we have to do some work in order to get this thing to work. So, um, but what you may not know is that the only binding tie that is ever going to make it work perfectly is a relationship with Yeshua HaMashiach or, um, as the Christians call him, Jesus Christ. Um, he's the tie that binds. And, uh, I got to tell that story again. I got to tell it again. Um, to, to illustrate this, because it's the only way that I know to illustrate it. Um, back in the 70s, uh, I moved to California in 1974. <laughs> Boy, was that a culture shock from New Jersey. And uh, I went from wearing um, uh, nice clothing, very stylable clothing, which is what we wore at school back in New Jersey, to uh, blue jeans and T-shirts. And uh, I liked it. But getting my dad to, to buy me the, the right clothing was a little difficult. He didn't understand. Anyway, um, and because I was raised by my mother to respect all people for the content of their character and not the color of their skin, 
Um, I made a lot of black friends um, in the town I lived in. It was very close to an Air Force base. And a lot of the uh, people that went to school there uh, were either uh, children of people that were stationed at the base or or children of people that were once stationed at the base and decided to settle in the town. And and because of that, there were a lot of black Americans that lived in the area. And I became friends with a lot of them. Now, one of them, his name was Larry Goss, and I know that he wouldn't mind me saying his name because he's a brother in the Lord, and I'll tell us that story. But um, back then, in about 1974, something started called Black Power, um, and it was initiated by the Black Panthers, uh, Malcolm X, and Huey Newton, and others. And um, so a lot of the my black friends had decided that they wanted to forsake their friendship with me and become part of the black power movement. And, you know, I was like, okay, well, if that's what you want to do, that's what you're going to do. I'm, you know, I'm not going to try to talk you out of it. I will miss your friendship. We've been good friends, but you know, this is the course of life you've chosen. So walk that course. Well, anyway, it caused a lot of strife. You know, the, a lot of the white kids didn't appreciate it uh, because they too had lost friends and they, but they didn't know quite how to handle that. And I remembered that there were a lot of fights on campus, racial fights, blacks and whites. And and um, it was really a bad time. And I remember Larry um, at one time had uh, we had a kid that was not quite stable in school. And um, he got into an altercation with Larry and uh, put his head through a window in the, in the gym door at the school. And and I felt bad for Larry, but I didn't quite know how to approach him because he went with the black movement thing and didn't want to have anything to do with me. Well, anyway, you know, we, we all went through school, graduated, and uh, let's see, that was in 77, got saved in 79, probably about 1982 or 1983. I was at a gas station in that little town of Vacaville, and um, I, I stopped in to put gas in the car, and uh I looked to, over to my right, and at the other pump, uh, the other aisle, another pump, I saw Larry, and I kind of got apprehensive, and I was like, oh, I wonder if he's still involved in that. I wonder if I should try to say hi, um, and stuff like that. Well, he looked over at me, and I looked at him at the same time, and what do you do, you know? So, I, you know, I said, hey, Larry, is that you? And he said, yeah, is that you, Dave? And I was surprised you remembered my name, and that really made me happy. But I said, yeah, I said, I said, you know, and we were talking, he was probably about 25 feet away and like me likewise. And I said, man, Larry, a lot of things have changed in the last few years. I said, I, I got bold and I said, um, yeah, I, I got saved and became a Christian. And he got a big smile on his face. He goes, so did I. And I'm telling you, and hopefully you've experienced something like this. And if not, hopefully someday you will. I, I had a, burden lifted off my shoulders I actually felt like I became lighter and for somebody that's been overweight most of his life that's a phenomenal feeling <laughs> but um, anyway um, so we decided we, we met in the center and hugged you know because we were both brothers in the Lord and you could do that when you're brothers in the Lord and um, and we started talking well I guess we, we got some of the other people at the pumps angry because you know we were holding them up and so we had to move and i said you know let's let's get together well we never did and that still bothers me to this day but i knew that larry got saved and i got saved and that the the racial 
tension that had separated us was gone. It had disappeared. It had been abolished. It had been destroyed by the blood of Jesus. And and I was so happy about that. And oh, I went around telling everybody, oh, yeah, I ran into this guy, Larry Goss, went to school with him. You know, and the whole land yard is just the story, same story I just told you. And I'm telling you, the only thing that's going to bring us together is that, is that person, the Prince of Peace. The only one that can bring peace in our nation is the Prince of Peace. And if you haven't done it, do it. Please forgive those people that have wronged you. If you've had racial tensions, forgive those people that have wronged you and pray for them. And you just might meet them at a gas station someday. And you might look at them and say, I got born again in Jesus. And the other guy's going to say, so did I. And you're going to have the same conversation. You're going to feel the same release of the demonic, the demonic um, feeling of uh, racism and oppression, racial oppression and everything else. And uh, you're going to walk into freedom and tell this story like I just told on your own radio show someday. <laughs> so anyway, uh, there's a song we used to sing. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the way. And um, it's so true. And you can mock me if you want to. You cannot believe it. I really don't give a damn. It's the truth. And. The only way you're going to find out is if you get rid of that doubt, if you get rid of that that uh, that hatred that you have in your heart towards Christianity, towards Jesus, toward some Christian that might have wronged you, or you you know you got beat to death with a Bible when you were a kid by uh, well-meaning Christians that didn't uh, didn't do it the right way. Um, you, while you're breathing, you've still got a chance. Man, you've got a chance to experience a life like you've never experienced before. So do it. Quit being a jerk and do it. So anyway, that having been said, uh, Father, thank you for this radio show. Thank you for this time. Thank you for the illustrations that you've given to me. I didn't come on the, on upon them by myself. Um, thank you for the spirit of peace and the spirit of tranquility that's been over this show tonight. Um, thank you for even the people that spurred on this uh, this conversation, the people on the Internet, the people that just don't understand. Um, thank you for them and, and work on them and and um, speak to their hearts. Holy Spirit, um, thank you for just for everything that you do for us, everything that you provide for us, everything that. This whole world, Lord, this whole universe that you've created for us, thank you. Thank you that you're coming soon, that you're going to put an end to all the racism once and for all when you come back, that you're going to put an end to all the Antifa types, that you're going to put an end to um, the elites, uh, the people like George Soros and others like him that are trying to divide us, that are trying to point out the differences while we're trying to point out the similarities that we all have. Let the similarity shine through, Father, and let the differences disappear in Yeshua's name. And just be with us this week. Um, uh, whether we have a radio show in the next couple of days or not, that's inconsequential. But just um, be with us um, during this week and teach us and guide us and and give us our daily bread. Give us the things that we need, Father, 
And then if it be your will, give us the things that we want, Father. In the mighty and holy, precious name of Yeshua HaMashiach, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Good night, folks, or good morning. (laughs) Have a great day and a great week. Goodbye.